Uh, Jesus, we just love to worship you. We thank you that you are our awesome God. Well, as we begin this year, 2023, tonight we, we set this time aside and next Sunday evening and the Sunday evening after that. And then, of course, our conference. Lord, we're setting this time aside, Lord, to just mark these days, mark them in our life, to put space, to put you first. Lord, you taught us that we're to have our first love. And that's not going back to the way it was. It's giving you first place, first love place, that we give you that priority spot in our life. Lord, as we set this a convocation of fasting and prayer, 2023, our 20th year of doing this, Lord, that uh, we, we just know that you're going to do great and wondrous things. We thank you for that. We bless your name tonight. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Well, Happy New Year again. Wow, what a, what a great, uh, great, great uh, New Year that we had as a family as well as Christmas time. And, and uh, we just hope that you're enjoying that as well. Well, we're beginning our 21 days of fasting and prayer emphasis, as I just prayed. And uh, in March is our official birthday, but coming into 2023, uh, we celebrate 20 years as a church. And that's almost hard to say. I just, I can't even hardly get my head around that. Um, and, and I think that this is really a significant year for us. Um, and I'm going to share a little bit of that. And I think because it's a significant year for us as a church corporately, then it's a significant year for you individually because we are the family of God. And if you call Harvest your home church, then we believe that what's happening corporately really is a reflection of what's happening collectively, individually. Uh, and we've seen that over the years. I just want to give greetings to those of you that are watching online. And this is for you as well tonight. Um, and... Uh, just believing this will be a significant, significant for you. For you, scripturally, uh, twenty years often marks a, a reset, and that's not a reset kind of um, starting over again, but it's a reset. The best way I can explain it is that when there were twenty-year seasons, and we see a number of them in the scriptures, it's like we did this for twenty years. There was an endurance, there was a pressing through, there was a faithfulness, but in the 20th year, there was a receiving and a door that would open um, into the abundance and the promises of God. And, and as I reflected on that, I really believe that's part of the significance for us, that as a church, so much of what has been spoken over us um, that we've already seen God do and fulfill, and yet there's so much that hasn't yet happened. And so I'm really believing that we'll be recipients of that, at least starting in this year and then beginning to receive uh, throughout uh, the years to come. And as I was reflecting on that in these months, actually, thinking about 2023, and I was going back over some of the prophetic words uh, that Christina and I received prior to planting harvest, and then some of the early words uh, when we first planted. And uh, it was interesting to me that um, there almost was, in fact, one of, uh, one of the voices that spoke in our sending out service 
um, said tonight we're really believing in that sending out, which was the service that we, a group of about 55 of us, uh, had hands laid on us. And uh, after the fashion of Acts, it acts when Paul and Barnabas were sent out of Jerusalem to go and establish churches. And so under that fashion, the 55 people, and uh, it was a great service, and Brother Dick Iverson, who's now gone to be with Jesus, um, was a part of that, as well as many other prophetic voices that honored uh, what God was doing. And, and uh, in that evening, Pastor Don Curry said, we're going to believe God for a release of the prophetic uh, voice this evening. And uh, he said, and, and I'm just believing that you'll have enough prophetic word to last you about 20 years. And as I listened to that, it was, it was coming into um, kind of midsummer, if I, my recollection's right, coming close to early fall. And I remember thinking that makes so much sense. That just makes so much sense because what I was kind of, it was a confirmation of what I was feeling in my heart is that the conference that we're having is very strategic and specific uh, to what we sense God is doing and that Jesus' promise of, you know, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so we're focusing on the second part of that because we have ears and we're choosing to use them. I don't believe this is a season of time where the Lord is rebuking us or saying, you know, you're not using your ears, you're not listening to me. I believe it's a upgrade uh, that God is promising us that we're going to hear both individually and corporately, uh, kind of an upgrade in the prophetic. When I use that word prophetic, simply meaning God's speaking to us. And God speaks primarily through his word, uh, the word of God. But in the specifics and in the day-to-day, -day, he can speak to our hearts and into our spirits. He can use the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gift of prophecy, to speak to us. And, and so I really felt like that that upgrade for us corporately was going to happen. And I thought, what better way to have that happen than um, the conference let them hear? We're calling it a conference. I don't know what else to call it. We've never done a Friday night. Um, we're going to be doing some things with our leadership team on Saturday morning and then Saturday night. And then Sunday, Pastor Frank Satius, who sits on our apostolic council here at Harvest, uh, will be bringing a word that I know that he's praying and fasting about in terms of direction. And we're doing that uh, each of those nights. We will have um, we, we will have prophetic ministry over people. I wish we could do prophetic ministry over the whole church. We can't do that. There just isn't enough time. So we've decided that those who are presently serving in places of leadership, um, that we want really to kind of put those rocket boosters on their lives so that we can be blessed and re receiving from those that are serving in the heat of the day here at Harvest. Now, here's what I found, though, over the years and that is when you focus on a, uh, a voice of the Lord, prophetic, released in a church, that everybody gets an upgrade. Say everybody. So you may not receive a specific uh, word through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, for those that, you know, we'll have prophetic people that will be here um, throughout that weekend. But I found that the atmosphere gets created in such a way that we all, we all get an upgrade. And so let them hear. And so let me just, uh, just a couple of scriptures here I want to look at tonight. Just lay some foundation for this month. Um, we're going to pray tonight a little bit. Uh, and uh, next Sunday night and then the following Sunday night, we'll be having, of course, Sunday morning services both those weeks. But to emphasize uh, our corporate prayer time. And so uh, 
this idea of hearing God. Hearing God precedes vision from God. Hearing God will precede having vision from God in your personal life and direction and guidance um, and for us corporately. And so hearing has to come first and then the seeing as God unfolds and begins to speak into destiny. And let me show you what I mean by, uh, as we look at Isaiah chapter 30. And in Isaiah chapter 30, Isaiah's prophesying what it'll be like when God's people return from ba Babylonian captivity. And they had relied on their own strength. They relied on Egypt, which for us, that would be our understanding, relying on the ways of the world, how the world would do things, not how God would do things, but how the world does things. And so God's people began to become disconnected from God and connecting themselves to the strategies and the thinkings of this world. And, and so God really, in his kindness, uh, caused there to be, have them go into Babylonian captivity for 70 years to speak to them and to uh, really bring them to their senses, so to speak. And so for 70 years, God's people are subjugated in Babylon. And it's about, they're coming to the end of that 70-year period and Isaiah begins to prophesy of what it will be like in the days ahead and how great it will be as they're reconnected with God. And he speaks about the promise of Messiah. He speaks about the promise of blessing and prosperity and, and God pouring out an abundance so that his people could abundantly bless others. And so we'll jump into that now in Isaiah chapter 30. And yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. I just love that phrase. The Lord longs to love you tonight. He longs to be gracious, meaning pour out his grace. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. He just wants to give it to you. More of his presence. More of all the grace of what's entailed in the gift of the Holy Spirit into our lives. But Jesus accomplished it all. We have it all. But many of us not experiencing the all of his grace being poured into our lives. And so he says he longs, say longs. He longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up and show you compassion. For the Lord is God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. And so that blessing comes as we set time aside. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up on the wings of eagles. This idea of not waiting like, ah, hurry up, God, hurry up. It's not waiting like that, but a complete being at rest and just knowing that God is God and we are not and sitting in his presence as if you were here for our dream team huddle earlier on and Karen was exhorting about Mary and Martha and how uh, Jesus said, Martha, you, you're distracted, you're disconnected. Your sister does what's right to overcome that. Sit at my feet. Blessed are those who wait for him. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. So there's a, there's a shift in the season. There's a shift in the time period. And then I'm suggesting a shift for us. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. I love that. As soon as we cry out to the Lord, he's already answering our prayer. And then it says this, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it.
I'm going to come back to that. I want to jump to the next verse, verse 22. After hearing, after he's longing to be gracious, we're responding to that, long, his longing with our longing, and we're saying, we're longing to receive it, Lord. We're longing to be in your presence. We're longing to be close to you as well. So there's a response to that. There's a release of his voice, and then this happens. Then you will desecrate your idols overlaid with silver and your images covered with gold. An idol is anything that takes the rightful place of God in our life. And so we often forget about, you know, idolatry. And we think about, you know, wooden carvings that other, um, you know, the pagan societies would worship and put it in places of their gods or to represent their god. And the scriptures were clear in the Ten Commandments, have no other gods before me, have no idols, no graven images. What is it? What was the scripture saying? Don't, don't put God, don't put anything in the place that God rightfully has in your life. So he says, you'll desecrate, you'll, you'll, you'll get rid of them. In other words, you will see them for what they are. Because idols are hard to see sometimes. But you will see them for what they are. And the outrage is when we see, not, you know, some little wooden curving, but you've overlaid them with silver and gold. You've given them such value. You've, you've covered them so you don't really see what they are. But to you, they have such value. But when God's longing is known to you, your longing in response to the Lord. His voice starts to happen. You begin to see those idols for what they are, and you'll throw them away like a menstrual cloth and say, get away from me. <laughs> and then he'll send the rain for the seed to sow, that you sow in the ground, and food that comes from the land will be rich and plentiful. And in that day, your cattle will graze and broad meadows. This, these are all metaphors for the blessing of God, that when we begin to live in that renewed relationship, taking away what's rightfully the seed of God in all areas of our life, where we just stop and pause and say, God, I want to give you a rightful place. Holy Spirit, speak to me that I might know what I've placed and given value in my life. But really, when it comes down to it, silver and gold overlaying an idol. And then the blessing of God, it just begins to flow when we just come to that point and say, God, be first and foremost in my life. So this kind of unfolding starts with the promise that God is speaking and he wants you to hear his voice. Let me go back to that middle verse, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear, say will hear will hear a voice behind you. And it's interesting that the voice is behind, that the Holy Spirit in our life guiding us, speaking to us. And it's this act of faith. And God obviously goes ahead of us. And he, he's, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at one time. And he knows our beginning from our end. But as we walk it out in relationship with him, the beautiful picture is the shepherd behind us saying, all right, where do you want to go? And whether we turn left or whether we turn right, that we're not in fear of getting it wrong, but that we're so connected that we hear, we can hear, that we can hear his voice. And I believe as we come into this 20th year and that this specifically this next decade, that there is so much that the Lord wants to uh, have us walk out. And whether we turn left or whether we turn right, it, it, it won't matter. His voice will be heard. Say, it will be heard. 
It'll be heard in your life. There's decisions you're making. There's decisions your family's making. For some of you in the days ahead, it, it might be the Lord asking you to set time aside to serve him in a greater capacity, to lay your wants and desires down that others may come to know him because he wants to use your life in a specific and significant way. And when I think back and Christina and I, um, to the, the years leading up to our planting. I've never in my life before that time or since that time experienced the voice of the Lord the way we did in about a three-year period. Like unusual, and, and the specificity of it, and how we've seen that word come to pass, and how that those confirmations gave us the confidence to walk, to get out there and go, we're going. What, left? Okay, left. Yeah, right? Okay, yeah. And the Holy Spirit being so, so specific. And, and, and for those of you that have been here for some time in those early years, and just how quickly and the acceleration of buildings being obtained and, and things coming together so that we could begin worshiping the Lord and begin gathering a people. And some of those were uh, teenagers uh, at the time, young teenagers, who now 20 years later are here in our midst as married couples with children and occupying very significant places of leadership in our church. Like, that's amazing. And I can't wait to hear some of the prophetic word that's gonna come over their lives uh, during our Let Them Hear weekend. And so there is a promise of a heightened Holy Spirit activity that your ears will hear and guide and direct you. So we've, that's the reason we've adopted this phrase, let, let them hear. In Matthew chapter 17, I just want to kind of tie a bow on this and then we want to spend some time reflecting personally in prayer and we'll pray corporately in a few moments before we go tonight. But in Matthew chapter 17, Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. And he comes down to find a very frustrated father who is brought to the disciples that were remaining that didn't go on the, the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, a young boy who was uh, demon-possessed. And the father was just wanting any help that he could get. And he brought this little boy to, um, to the disciples, and they couldn't do anything about his condition. And so Jesus comes down to find this man. We'll pick up the story. When he came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt down before him. Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire and into the water, and I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. And then Jesus is going to respond to that. And of course, as we read the story, Jesus is going to set this little boy free, and there's going to be just a miraculous healing. But the disciples have been involved, those that had remained and were involved in, in this ministry time, they had, they had seen a lot of miracles take place. And so in a few uh, lines, they're going to ask Jesus, why couldn't we do this? And what I want to focus on right now is that Jesus actually begins answering their question before they asked it. And he says this, so, you know, you're, hey, your disciples couldn't do this. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long should I stay with you? Like, how long do I have to teach you these things? I'm not going to be here forever. I'm here for a short while, and then ascending to the Father. And it's kind of a rhetorical question because Jesus knew they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the infilling of the Holy Spirit activating their capacity to hear the voice 
of God. But, but he's saying, you unbelieving and perverse generation, he identifies the two problems. The two problems as to why they could not uh, minister to the boy. So here's the two problems he identifies. Number one, they were unbelieving. This generation, this group of people that Jesus is walking amongst, including his disciples that are trying to minister, they're unbelieving and they're perverse. And let me just explain those two words. Unbelieving simply means they were without faith. They didn't have a trust, uh, uh, faith in God, in what God could do through, for them, through them, and for others. They lacked faith. They were filled with doubt and unbelief. And so they were without faith. Say without faith. But we know the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The Word of God. Both the Word of God spoken to us by His Holy Spirit through the Logos Word that the Holy Spirit breathes on, turns it into the Rhema Word. And so there's all these aspects of a Spirit-filled believer's life as we're hearing the voice of God. And our faith is growing because when we're in that posture and position and filled with faith, it's not because we've done anything, it's because we are connected to God. We're connected to God. But they were without connection. They were disconnected. He's identifying two problems. You are disconnected from God. Second, uh, he uses this word perverse, which simply means they, were, they, they had twisted twisted the truths of God. And the world does that, doesn't it? Because it doesn't embrace the uh, kingdom truth. It, 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 you know, humanism um, really kind of rules and reigns in this day as well as many other ideas and philosophies, but specifically humanism, that we are our own God. And as we get smarter and smarter, we sit in the place of God, which is the actual spirit of Antichrist talked about in Thessalonians. That, that you know, talks about... Uh, um, the, the Antichrist sitting in the seat uh, at the temple, which really what it's speaking about is humanism occupying in the house of God. That once you're disconnected from God, now you begin, you have to connect to something. So you begin to connect either knowingly or unknowingly, and often it's unknowingly, and we begin to connect to the things of this world and the thinking of this world and the thinking of whatever social media might be kicking out at that particular moment. And so they were disconnected from God, connected to the world. Two problems. Then the disciples asked, so how come we couldn't do this? So now Jesus is going to give the solution. So he doesn't say because you're disconnected and connected. He already identified that. How come we couldn't do this? And Jesus said, so here's the solution to lack of connection with God and too much connection to the world. He says this, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Say prayer, fasting. So why would we have, um, and we do, we've done this, you know, we give our first to God each and every year. We believe it's very important to prioritize the first of our finances, the first of our time, the first of our serving. And we give it to the Lord. This kind does not come out except by fasting and prayer. The solution to disconnection and connection is to pray, in other words, connect to God. To set time aside and say, God, in these 21 days, 
I am, I am prioritizing that I'm going to set time aside. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your voice. You, you, I, I've read the scriptures tonight. He is longing to be gracious to us, to have a, a, the voice behind us that your ears will hear that will cause you to see what is occupying what should not be there so that he can pour blessing out upon you and lead you in the way of abundance. It's a wonderful deal. <laughs> prayer is to be connected with God. And we'll be talking about prayer and uh, next Sunday. Very practically, I'll share with you in that Sunday message. And by the way, the Sunday after that, I don't think it's any accident whatsoever in its timing that... Um, that Father, um, Father Matthew Brunet will be here preaching the Word of God on that Sunday morning. Because I think, I think the, um, the, the division, uh, the division between, specifically in Cornwall, because of the root system, if you were Protestant, you were English, if you were French, you were Catholic. I know that's a generalization, but it kind of held true throughout past history. And that it's like those two never ever have crossed back again. The language, the language has, but there's still animosity between uh, the two. And so we will take some heat from other evangelicals that we're doing this. And he's already taking heat from a certain Catholics, uh, priests that are saying, you're crazy. You should not be going there. He's going, yeah, but I am anyway. Because God's, God's doing something in our city. And, and so I'll just park that one. We'll talk more about it. But I, I just think this part of this unfolding of God, how God wants to use our lives in the days to come. And so connection is so important. And so in these days, you're, you're connecting to him. But you also need to disconnect. I need to disconnect from the way that, again, whether it's been intentional or unintentional, that I begin to hold more to the thinking of the world and it actually twists the thinking that God wants us to have. And we need to break some connections with the things of the world. And so remember, two problems, disconnection from God, connection to the world. We're going to reverse that in these 21 days of fasting and prayer. And so fasting is the disconnecting. Say disconnect. And of course, the most basic and fundamental of fasting is fasting from food. Because that is that, you know, absolute need that our bodies have. And then when we, we deny our bodies that, um, our bodies go, you know, feed me, Seymour. Um, it wants food. And, and uh, it cries out. And we're, at that point, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but how? By every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. And so fasting takes us into a realm of trust that postures and allows us to disconnect quickly, quickly. And I always kind of say to people, you know, the food one, that's the one. And, but I want to submit something to you, then we're going to pray here in a second to help you with this part that I'm going to submit to you. I believe that a part of our fast, I think the food thing, and I'm going to, I'm going to do, people sometimes ask me, well, Pastor, what do you do? Um, and uh, we used to do when I was younger <laughs> and my body was different, um, that we would actually recognize the 21 days and do juices only. Um, and, um, and I just have to, I have to also be smart and my body won't do that anymore. It, it, it actually, for me, creates now uh, a reversal in my health. 
And but what could I do? What can I do? And so, what I'm able to do, um, and trust God for is, um, I, I pick three days in the week, and on that evening, uh, you go to bed. That's the easy part of the fast because you're sleeping and you're not hungry. And then when you wake up, you don't have break fast, and you continue fasting. And I do that that day, the next day, into the third day, um, and that evening I break fast in the supper in, in the supper meal, and and that works really well. And so that's nine days um, throughout throughout, and it kind of in the middle of the week, and it, it helps me really do this. And so only because should you do that no you should do whatever you feel to do um and to fast and pray so that part the food part out of the way but here's what i'm really believing we should do as well is a soul fast i think some of us would do really really well to shut the news off for 21 days seriously shut the news off for 21 days the world's not the world's not going to disappear in 21 days it's, you know, and, and just for you, and, as, and, and in a second, we're gonna, I'm going to ask that you ask the Holy Spirit, and, and that news might not be anything from you, for you, but for some of us, we've been, we are so dependent on and what the news is saying and doing that we have connected to a way of thinking and that there's fear and there's just lack of faith and we're living our Christian lives coping absolutely coping because of the fear-mongering of the media. I'll just leave that with you. Some from social media. Many from social media. <laughs> Movies, books, hobbies. And to disconnect and to say, Lord, I, I want to give you first place. And what I believe is going to happen is some of our idols overlaid with gold and silver. The Lord's just going to identify and we're just going to go. And it's not like, it's not like, you know, it, it's, we'll be, like, he's waiting for us to respond. And it's like a filthy menstrual, like, get, ugh, get away from me. And, and, and he's longing, longing to pour out his grace. But, but we're, we're so encapsulated with encumbrances and things that are blocking. I'd like you to bow your heads right now throughout the room and Whatever might be a, just a comfortable posture of prayer for you, whether it's just your head bowed or you want to turn and kneel on the floor and just, and, and just sit at your chair. For the next few moments, however you chose to do this, this is the time I would ask you to seek the Lord in these moments. We're not going to take a long time. The musicians are just going to continue playing softly and whatever they're, as they're kind of being led in these moments. And I want you first, we're going to do two things. We'll do this first one, and then I'll, I'll say, hey, come on, we've done that, and let's move into the second. So the first one is I'd like you to respond. <laughs> I'd like you to respond to the verse that he's longing, longing to be gracious to you. Longing. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He's going to rise up and show compassion. Blessed are those who wait for him. And so he's waiting for a response from your heart tonight. He's saying, I love you so much. I long to be with you. I miss our mornings together. I miss those moments in the car. I'm missing you. I long to pour my presence out upon you. And in these moments, would you just respond and just state to the Lord what your heart is saying in response to that. 
Yes, Lord, I am longing to be with you. And what will happen is obedience is a result. It's not pull up your bootstraps obedience. It becomes a part of those that love him. Jesus said, those that love me will obey me. It's not a conditional, if you love me, you'll obey me. It's when you love me, obedience begins to flow so naturally and easily. So all across this room, online right now, seeking the Lord, how are you going to respond? And just respond to him now. I'm longing to be with you. loves you with an everlasting love. He longs to be with you. He longs to pour out his heart to you.
Thank you, Holy Spirit. And now what I'd like you to do, just posture of prayer in your place that you are with him right now. And this part will actually be easier than you might think it is. Whatever you're to disconnect from over these 21 days, whatever he's asking you in your soul fast, not your physical fast, but your soul fast, I just want you to listen, and he'll ask you. As you're listening now, and in the obedience of your heart, I have found that it's in moments like these that are important. Because we go to a place in time where I said yes to the Lord. And if we don't come to that point and have a, a specific, whatever the specific yes is, Then we leave this place and his voice becomes dimmer. The volume switch goes down. Then we find ourselves saying, did he really say? Did God really say? And you know where that phrase comes from. No, he really said. And in your own way right now, just acknowledge that, validate it with the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I will give you in these 21 days a place of preeminence. You're not walking away from that thing unless he, the end of this, speaks to you about that. You're simply switching spots and saying, Lord, I put you in the place that you deserve. And I'm responding to your longing by showing you my longing to be with you. And just take a moment now. Let's just sing that again. And as we do, Tell the Holy Spirit what your act of worship will be in these days of fasting and prayer. Let's stand together tonight. 
And let's just end this evening. I'll dismiss you in just a moment. We're gonna continue worshiping. Just let your heart pour out. We're leaving tonight reconnected, going into 21 days, excited, filled with his spirit more each and every day. And I'm believing, Lord, I just ask right now for the instrument of the spiritual ears of this house to be open as never before, Lord, that even tonight begins the upgrade. Father, for those who have thought they've never heard God, these will be days of learning, just like Samuel of old, who ran to Eli saying, I think I heard you calling me. And Eli said, no, that's the Lord. Go back to your place and say, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. Lord, that our heart would be, our posture would be, Lord, speak because we're listening. We want to be obedient. We want to connect with you. We're believing for the best uh, uh, years of harvest is our ahead, Lord. They're beginning tonight. Lord, we believe in our own personal walk in life, in marriages right now. Lord, there's an upgrade to begin hearing what the Lord is saying about marriages, about our families, about our vocations, about the days ahead and the destiny of God. So, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name, every ear, every ear, Father, spiritual ear, and that represented online in this house, let them hear.
God. 